So when we talked about why die before your time, I was actually basically encouraging you to say there is so much that we still need to do here on the earth. But it doesn't help to remain on earth and doing nothing. You could as well then have, gone, have been gone. So I just want to encourage you that at the time that we are still here on earth, we still need to do the works of the Father. But today I want us to go to the book of John chapter 5, verse 17. We're going to start there because I want to show you that the Father is still working. Even when people are on pause, even when many people are thinking, maybe I'm waiting for this, waiting for that. It's not as if the Lord has stopped working. It's not as if even the devil has not stopped working. So you better stand up and start being serious and being busy in these last days with the work of the Lord, with the assignment that God has placed upon your life here on the earth. John 5.17 AMPC, it says, But Jesus answered them, My Father has worked even until now. He has never ceased working. He is still working. And I too must be at divine work. So he says, my father has never stopped working and he is still working. So I want to encourage you that our father has not stopped working. Even now he is still working. And therefore we need to say, father, I also do not want to relax. I think there are many people who are relaxed, who have even paused their Christian life. And many people are even having so many questions about life and therefore getting discouraged. And this is the wrong time to be discouraged and to pause about your Christian walk because the Lord is coming. So we need to be more serious than ever before. So Jesus actually was always focused on the greater assignment from the Father. He would always talk about my Father's work what I need to do for the Father. Look at it with me in John 9, 4, AMPC. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me and be busy with his business while it is daylight. Night is coming when no man can work. So he says, we must be busy with our Father's business. So the question for me to you is, are you busy with your Father's business? Are you really serious and working, doing all that you can so that when your time to depart comes here on earth, then you would depart knowing that you have finished the assignment. You have run your race, you've kept the faith, and indeed you are now waiting for your crown. Or are we just buying time here being on the earth? We shouldn't be buying time because there is something that happens after death. Actually, the time that we have here on earth, it's a minute fraction of eternity. We are going to spend eternity with the Lord. Some will spend eternity being separated from God in hell, in the lake of fire, which is not a good place to be in. So therefore, we should never let things that are happening now distract us from the bigger vision of eternity. So today I just want to talk to you about what about after death? Okay, last week we told you you need to remain. And it's good that we remain and finish the assignment. But then we also should not uh, deceive ourselves as if life ends here. There's still so much that's coming. The eternal uh, time that we'll spend with God. Eternity. And also the eternal time that some people will spend in the lake of fire, being separated from God. Eternity. 
And then I want us to go to the book of Job chapter 14, 14. We, we, we touched on this verse last week. It's got an important question for, for, for all of us. And then I will link it with Philippians where we were last week. And then we will zoom into what we need to talk about today. We are talking about what about after death. So Job 14, 14, New King James Version says, If a man dies, shall he live again? That's the question. Because I think some of us, we've got a lot of people who are close to us who have departed. And sometimes you feel like you, 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 you grieve in a way that you think, sure, that's the end of it. I will never see that person again. Oh, sure, this is really very painful. And we think all about these people that have departed. So Job is asking, if a man dies, shall he live again? So it means before we die, we need to know that I've done everything I need to do before I die. So that then after death, it's eternity with the Lord or eternity being separated from God. Go with me to the book of Philippians because Paul was very much serious and concerned about the life here, but also he was even more concerned about the life after death. He knew that once we depart here on earth, we're going to spend eternity with the Lord what a better place to be. So go with me to the book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 to 26. We tied on this one last week. I'm bringing it in because I want to look at another angle. Last week we touched on it looking at the fact of encouraging you that you still need to continue living here on the earth and not depart before your time, not die before your time. But I want us also to look at after we have departed, how good their life would be like. Okay? Look at it with me. Philippians 1, 21 to 26, NIV. Paul says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So he talks about living, and he talks about dying. So he says, For me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. So last week we talked about this predicament that Paul was in, where he did not know what to choose. Because it seems like life with Christ going on, departing this world and we go on to be with the Lord is the best thing that can ever happen to any Christian. But if they still work to do, sometimes we say, let me remain because I still have work to do. So look at it. He says, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. That's what I want us to focus on today. When I'm talking about what about after death. So he says, this is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So he talks of two things. If we remain in the body, we've got an assignment. We've got things that we must do and let's do that. Let's finish the assignment. But then after death, being with Christ is the best thing that can happen to any Christian. It's just that we are not rushing. Some of us, we still have work to do. And I have implored most of you to say, don't depart. We still need you. You still have work to do. Some of you still have young children that you need to raise. Many other things that we might still have to remain here. Some of us still need to build the house for the Lord. We have got so many things to do. So let's do that assignment and finish it. But there comes a time when we depart this earth. So that's why today I'm talking about what about after death. So let's go together to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, 
verse 13 to 18 in the AMPC. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 AMPC. Amplified Classic. Because here we are going to see and talk about our departed beloved people. The people that you love so much who have departed. What about them? And will we ever see them again? Because those are some of the questions that we may have. So when I look through the scriptures, I get encouraged. I get motivated to see that God has got answers for everything that we would desire to know. Look at this. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 AMPC. He says, Now also we would not have you ignorant brethren about those who fall asleep in death, that you may not grieve for them as the rest do who have no hope beyond the grave. I want you to look at that verse 13. It's very loaded. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant like people of the world who do not know this truth. Talking about those who sleep, it calls it sleeping. He says, those who sleep in death that you may not grieve for them as the rest do. In other words, if I think somebody is departed, somebody is dead and I will never see them again, it's all finished, it's all finished, then I would grieve a lot because I will have that sense of loss. But if I know that wherever they are, if they are beloved, if they died in Christ, I will meet them again if I'm in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what Paul was encouraging us to encourage one another with. Continue with me. Verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep in death. So he says those who have fallen asleep in death, all your friends, all your relatives, all your loved ones who have fallen asleep in death, they will rise again. And those who have fallen asleep in Christ, you will see them again. So look at it with me. Continue. Verse 15. For this we declare to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way proceed into his presence or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen asleep in him in death. So he says, those of us who would still be alive when the Lord comes back, we will in no way proceed into his presence. In other words, will not go before the departed ones who died in Christ. Okay? So they will have an advantage of us. They have to raise first so that then we can meet them and together we meet the Lord and spend eternity with the Lord. Look at it. Continue with me. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of summons. With the shout of an archangel and with the blast trumpet of the trump of pet of God. And those who have departed this life in Christ will rise first. This is very encouraging. Those who have departed this life in Christ will rise. Okay? It says don't grieve for them as people who have no hope beyond the grave. So those who have departed this life in Christ. Of course when he talks about those who fall asleep in Christ. I always use this example. That if you go to sleep in a particular bed, you will wake up in that bed. It would be 
awkward and weird if you find that you slept in one kind of bed and when you wake up you realize I'm in a different bed then you will be surprised so similarly if you want to raise up in the Lord you should sleep in the Lord you should die in Christ then you will raise up in Christ okay so that's why it's very much serious for all of us who are still alive to say, if I were to depart now, will I raise up in Christ when the time to resurrect comes? So he says, those who have departed this life in Christ will rise first, verse 17. Then we, the living ones who remain on the earth, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always, through the eternity of eternities, we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's words of encouragement. So he says, those who have died in Christ, they will rise first. And we who are alive and remain, when the Lord comes, we will be caught up. That's what we call rapture. We will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air with our departed uh, fellow beloved in Christ. And so shall we spend eternity with the Lord. So, and he says, comfort one another with these words. These words are encouraging, they are comforting. Because if I know that my departed beloved who were in the Lord, I will see them again. It's an encouragement, okay? But it also means for those of us who are still alive, we need to say, when I depart, will I depart in the Lord? Because I want to spend eternity with the Lord. I don't want to spend eternity separated from God. I don't want to spend eternity in hell. I don't want to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And that decision, I make it now when I'm still alive. It doesn't matter. Some of you say, I'll continue doing this, I'll continue living this way. It seems the pastor doesn't even see what I'm doing, it's fine. Did you know that the pastor doesn't have a heaven of his own? So it's your own decision. If you want to deceive yourself, you are deceiving yourself because the Lord himself sees you and he knows everything about you. The psalmist says, where can I hide from the presence of the Lord? Where can I hide from the spirit of the Lord? You may hide from people but you cannot hide from God. So for the sake of your eternity, make sure that your life is in Christ. Make sure that you are living for God. So when we say we have an assignment and we mustn't depart this life before our time, the key assignment is make sure first that you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Because it doesn't matter if you live so many years on earth, but you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're going to spend eternity separated from God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God does not want any of us to perish. So you take that decision and you say, the life that I'm living now is just a fraction of eternity. Those of you who have done mathematics, there is a thing called undefined. Like if you say uh, a, a number, the eternal number, whatever number you, ca you can't, some of the numbers, you can't finish counting, okay? It's eternity. It's, you can keep on counting, okay? So the fraction of life that we're living now, we can't even say whether it's a tenth or whether it's quarter percent. You can't measure it compared to the eternity.
that we will spend with Christ. So therefore, you need to make sure that when you are still alive, you are ready for the coming of the Lord. That's why I'm talking about what about after death. Now, some of you ask, how do we resurrect? How do we raise from the dead? Go with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We'll do verse 20, then verse 35 to 38, 42 to 44, and 50 to 55. Verse 20, verse 35 to 38, verse 42 to 44, verse 50 to verse 55. And here Paul was showing us how people raise from the dead. He started by giving example how Jesus raised from the dead. I think we need to look at that and then look at how will people raise from the dead. Because sometimes we don't understand. Some of you say, I know people who were bent beyond recognition. Now, if they were to raise, how will they raise from the dead? I know people who maybe were crushed in an accident. You couldn't even remember them and all that. So how will they rise from the dead? In what form? Those are the questions that sometimes we have. And I like this scripture because it's answering some of those questions. Look at it. Verse 20, it says, but now, as things really are, Christ has in fact been raised from the dead, and he became the first fruits, that is the first to be resurrected with an incorruptible, immortal body, foreshadowing the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in death. You know, in, in, in First Thessalonians, we're talking about those who have fallen asleep in death, we will not precede them. So now here he says, the way that Christ rose from the dead, he rose with a resurrected, incorruptible, immortal body, foreshadowing the resurrection of those who have fallen asleep in death. So in other words, the body that Jesus had when he rose from the dead was not a mortal body, was not a body that was still subjected to death. That's why he is called the first fruit or the first to be resurrected in an incorruptible, immortal body. Because other people who died, take Lazarus for example, when he was resurrected from the dead, he resurrected with the same body, the natural body, because he still needed to live here on the earth. That's why he had to die again. Okay? But the way that Christ rose from the dead, Paul is saying he rose with an immortal, incorruptible body. And that's the kind of bodies that we will have when we rise from the dead to spend eternity with the Lord. Continue with me, verse 35 to 38. But some will say, how are the dead raised? And with what kind of body will they come? You fool. Every time you plant seed, you sow something that does not come to life, germinating, springing up and growing, unless it first dies. So he's going to give us here an example about, let's look at a seed. He says, when you sow a seed, it has to die that seed, and what will come up is a, a tree or a plant that was not there before. So it's not, that seed does not rise up the same way that it was. Okay? So look at it, verse 37. The seed you sow is not the plant, the body or the plant which is going to become but it is a bare seed, 
perhaps of wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body just as he planned. And to each kind of a seed, the body of its own is given. In other words, when you plant a seed, what you expect to grow, you don't expect to see the seed growing. Mm -mm. You plant a seed and you expect to see a plant growing, coming from a dead seed. So he's giving this example for us just to see how things work. It says, verse 37 and 38, he says, The seed you sow is not the body, the plant which is going to become, but it is a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain, but God gives it a body just as he planned. And to each kind of a seed, a body of its own is given. Now, verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. The human body that is sown is perishable and mortal. It is raised imperishable and immortal. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in strength. It is sown a natural body, mortal, suited to the earth. It is raised a spiritual body, immortal, suited, suited to heaven. As surely as there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Did you get that? So that's how we get raised. Okay? It will not be the same body that you have now. It will be a spiritual body, an immortal body, an imperishable body. So it means I cannot then allow this flesh of mine to deceive me, to, do, to live according to the flesh, and I lose up on the eternal life with God in my new body. And some of you say, no, but if it's a spiritual body, then I won't feel pain even if I'm in hell. Go and ask the rich man. Jesus talked about the rich man and Lazarus. He said there was a certain rich man. He lived and he didn't care anything about God. There was another poor man who was called Lazarus who loved God and who worked for God. And there came a time when the rich man died. And he says the rich man died and he was buried. But Lazarus died and he was carried to the bosom of Abraham. And as the rich man was in hell, in pain, in torment. He looked up and said, Father Abraham, I'm in so much torment here. I'm in so much pain here. Can you send somebody at least just to bring me a little water, even with like almost like a fingernail uh, measurement? Because it's so hard. It's so difficult here. Then Abraham said, you had your chance on earth. Lazarus had a chance and he used it well. He might have been suffering on the earth, but now it's his time to enjoy. You did not say anything about God. It's too late now. In any way, there is a big gulf between us and you there. We can't get to you. You cannot get to us. Then the rich man said, but then if you can help me, at least help my beloved who are still in the earth. My, I still have brothers who are still alive on earth. Can't you send somebody to go and talk with them so that they mustn't come to this place of torment where I am. Abraham said to him, no, they have Moses and the prophets and other people who are preaching to them. 
So if it were today, they would say, no, they have Dr. Mkosi and many other pastors. They are telling them to repent every time. So it doesn't need somebody from the dead to come and tell them. Then the rich man was stuck. But that's the example that Jesus gave to show, that the, the, to show about the reality of pain in hell. Now, verse 50 to 55. Now I say this, believers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit nor be part of the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable mortal inherit the imperishable immortal. In other words, our current bodies cannot live for eternity. We will need a new body. Verse 51. Listen very carefully. I tell you a mystery. A secret truth decreed by God and previously hidden, but now revealed. We will not all sleep in death, but we will all be completely changed, wondrously transformed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet call. You heard about this trumpet in the book of First Thessalonians. It says, at the sound of that, of that trumpet, those who are still alive will be changed in an instant, in a twinkling of an eye. For the trumpet will sound and the dead who believed in Christ will be raised imperishable. And we, similar to First Thessalonians, and we will be completely changed, wonderfully transformed. For this perishable part of us must put on the imperishable nature. And this mortal part of us that is capable of decaying must put on immortality, which is freedom from death. And when this perishable put on imperishable and this mortal puts on immortality, then the scripture will be fulfilled that says death is swallowed up in victory, vanquished forever. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? So he says, I'm telling you, when we rise in that new body, okay, the, immort the, mortal, the mortal bodies will be transformed into immortality. Even those of us who are still alive when the Lord comes, we cannot go with these bodies as they are. We'll need to be transformed, okay, changed in the twinkling of an eye. And I I'm, I'm looking forward to the sounding of that trumpet, the last trumpet of God and the voice of an archangel. I'm looking forward to that. John says, even so, come Lord Jesus. We are looking forward to the coming of the Lord. So those of you who are living and sleeping as if the Lord is not coming back, you will be caught off guard like the five foolish virgins. And those of you who are awake and vigilant about the coming of the Lord, you will be like the five wise virgins. Okay? Waiting for the Lord. Ready for the Lord's coming. But then the problem with most people is that they allow this flesh to dominate how they must live. You live according to the flesh, not knowing that this flesh is not going to see eternity. If we know that we'll spend eternity with the Lord, don't allow this body, this flesh, this carnal flesh to deceive you and let you live according to the flesh. Because when you are going now to receive your body, the body, the spiritual body, that body could still also be in torment, like uh, the rich man. So don't deceive yourself and say, I will not feel pain. Okay? Don't deceive yourself that way. But then, 
if you think of these bodies as just a think of this body just as a tent you know when people are going to work maybe they're going to do roads in a dis distant remote area they build tents there which are temporary dwellings they build those tents just to do the work just to do the assignment so i would say even our bodies are like tents these are natural tents that we have to up to be in for us to do anything that we need to do on the earth because you can't do anything on earth until unless you have a physical body okay we don't want ghosts here on earth so therefore you have to still be in your body but this body don't let it deceive you from the eternal picture i want you to look at it with me in the book of second corinthians chapter 5 verse 1 to 10 and we are looking at these bodies as tents but also looking at a bigger picture where you mustn't invest on a tent but rather invest in your eternal home your eternal body your eternal spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 to 10, the Passion Translation says, We are convinced then that even if these bodies we live in are folded up at death like tents, we will still have a God-built home that no human hands have built, which, is, which will last forever in the heavenly realm. You see, it's reconfirming what he said, in First Thessalonians, in Second, in Second Corinthians, the verse that we read earlier. So he says, the tents when they are folded, we still have a God-built home that no human hands have built, which will last forever in the heavenly realm. We inwardly sigh as we live in these physical tents, longing to put on a new body for our life in heaven. In the belief that once we put on our new clothing, we won't find ourselves naked. So while living in this tent, we groan under its burden, not because we want to die, but because we want to see, this, we want these new bodies. We crave for all that is mortal to be swallowed up by eternal life. And this is no empty hope. For God himself is the one who has prepared us for this wonderful destiny. And to confirm firm this promise, he has given us the Holy Spirit like an engagement ring as a guarantee. That is why we are always full of courage. Even while we are at home in the body, we are homesick to be with the master. For we live by faith, not by what we see with our eyes. We live with a joyful confidence, yet at the same time we take delight in the thought of leaving our bodies behind to be at home with the Lord. So he says we look forward to that time when we leave these bodies and be at home with the Lord. So whether we live or die, we make it our life's passion to live our lives pleasing to him. For one day we will all be openly revealed before Christ on his throne so that each of us will be duly recompensed, recompensed for our actions done in this life, whether good or worthless. So he says, with these tents that we have now, we groan for a better body, our eternal body, our eternal homes built by God and not by human hands. And that one will be eternal. It cannot be destroyed again. And he says, but whether we are here on earth or whether we have departed, our passion is to please God. 
So I'm challenging all of us to say, is your passion, your number one passion, to please God? Or are you busy with other things? <clears throat> are you entangled with other things? People are so busy with so many things. And unfortunately, some of them die still being busy with so many things and they lose out on eternity with the Lord. So it means when we are still alive here, when we are still alive and remaining here on the earth and fulfilling our assignment on the earth, our greatest passion should be to please the Lord. And he says whether we are in this body or whether we have departed, our passion is to please the Lord. So what is your passion? Especially knowing that there will come a time when we will have to depart and leave these bodies. And when we will have to depart and leave the earth. And people would usually say they have departed, they are in a better place. Indeed, if you die in Christ, you are in a better place. My guess is if you were to try and call anybody from the dead who was living for Christ and they have tasted how nice it is, it will be very difficult to pull them back. So usually when we cry in the graves, in the graveyard, and we, we cry for our beloved, we are usually crying about ourselves or what we think about people remaining. Because if you think about those that have departed, if they were in Christ, they are in a better place. And that should comfort you. But we are also saying, live for Christ the best you could, do everything to live for Christ, so that even when we you depart, we will be comforted to know that you are in a better place. But if you are playing monkey tricks and you're trying to do this and that and that and that, when you depart, unfortunately, we will have to grieve because then we know where you have gone to. Okay? So do yourself a favor, help us also, so that our conscience will be clear when you have departed, that you are with the Lord. So that's why I'm encouraging you to say, don't invest so much on this natural flesh. It's like investing in a tent. Imagine somebody uh, working and they are using all their monies on a tent. And then they no longer go home to their eternal nice home. So when you invest, you need to invest in a good home, in your home, in your eternal home with the Lord. It doesn't help to invest on a tent because that's not wisdom. Because look at it with me, Hebrews 9.27. Look at this appointment that each one of us has with death. Okay? It might be that somebody dies at this age, somebody at that age, somebody at that age. But at the end, we, all, we call it death anyway. And that's an appointment. So Hebrews 9.27, King James Version reads, And it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. So you see, when it says it is appointed, it doesn't say it's appointed unto man to die once. It says once to die. There will be a time when a man dies unless the Lord tarries. But it says after that there will be judgment. So when Job said, if a man lives, shall if a man dies, shall he live again? That question is twofolded. If you die in Christ, shall you rise again in Christ? But what about if you die not knowing Christ? Or if you die and you were a Christian, but you were not right, you were not ready, you were not living right before God, you will be like the five foolish virgins. You will be like that man, that wicked and slothful servant, who when his master came, he was trying to argue and reason with the master. And then he was told, your portion is out there in the lake of fire. Okay? 
So, because if it says after death, then there is judgment. I want you to go and look at it with me in the book of Revelations. We are descending now. Revelation chapter 12, chapter 20. Revelation 20, verse 12 to 15. New King James Version. We're going to land with this one. I want you to look at this one closely. Because ultimately, as much as we want to live here on the earth and finish our assignment, we have to do that. And I am saying I'm also not departing this earth until I've done what I need to do. So that's why I'm not going to die before my time. And I'm encouraging you also, take up the message that I shared last week. It's very personal. It's very passionate. I was passionate about it. And I believe that if you take that, you will have the confidence that I can live until I fulfill the number of my days, until I fulfill my assignment. But no matter how long we live, there will still come a time when we have to depart and spend eternity with the Lord. And that is what I'm talking about today. When I say, what about after death? So let's conclude with this Revelation chapter 20, verse 12 to 15 in the New King James Version. And here I want to put a challenge. Is your name written in the book of life? And nobody can enlist that name for you. There's nothing like I'll send my husband, I'll send my father, I'll send my mother, or I'll send my sister or my cousin or my friend and they will enlist for me. Uh -uh. Each of us must take a decision to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and make sure that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Look at it. Revelations 20, 12 through 15, New King James Version. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Okay? Did you see that? There is a book of life where the name could be written, but there are also these other books. And there are things that we are doing, they are written in the books. And when judgment comes, will be judged according to what's written in the books. And it's not written by somebody because you, you were living right and now somebody is, 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 is uh, cheating on you and say you didn't live right. Uh -uh. You know how you were living. So when those things, when that is reflected back to you, you will know exactly that I don't have a case here. So you rather repent now when you are still alive. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. Now you see. Some people will say, what about those people who have died in the sea, maybe crashed in a, in a car plane, in a, a plane accident, and then they are in the sea? How will they resurrect? It says the sea will give up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades Death and the grave gave up, uh, delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Verse 14. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Verse 15. Anyone and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Okay? 
We talked so much about the good side of spending eternity with the Lord, but we need to also tell you the reality of the lake of fire. Many people say God is gracious. How will he then uh, throw anybody in the lake of fire and all that? Then you need to erase these portions of scriptures that tell us about anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And this is the eternal punishment that those who are not living right for God will unfortunately have to face that. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge for all of us. I mean, we can deceive each other. Just like as congregants, you may say, if I do this, as long as the pastor doesn't see me, or as long as that one doesn't see me, and that I can do anything. Did you know that even pastors, there are pastors who live as long as congregants don't see me. <laughs> so as much as you are running away from your pastor from seeing you, Pastors are also running away from their congregants from not seeing them. That's why sometimes you find some pastors being caught in wrong things. So we should, we should always say, I know the Lord sees me. And that is the one whom I want to please. Because I can't hide away from him. I want to make sure that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you've done that, then, when you depart, we will be comforted. So I'm encouraging all of you. If you are hearing me and you're listening to this as I'm speaking, you know I usually teach you about faith. So why is the Lord giving me opportunity to teach you about all these things? I believe he's waking us up on some of the things that we need to know. Okay? I don't often talk about this. I don't talk, often talk about the lake of fire. But that is the reality that is there in scriptures. And we need to tell you about it. We need to talk about it. So that you may know that even though God is so loving, he has made a way for us to accept him. But if we reject him, that's actually what John 3, 16 and 17 says. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So he loved and he gave us an opportunity so that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says, if we do not believe, we are already condemned because we did not accept the gift that God has given us. Okay? And now you can't say, no, but if God is gracious, why should other people go to hell? He created us with free will. Like I'm talking now, I'm talking to you, you can still go and choose and live the bad way. Okay? But anyone whose name was not found in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. And I want you to reflect very much on that if you were not living right before God. But for those of you who were living right before God, I just want to encourage you that be comforted with the scripture that I read when we started. Let me finish with it. I will re read it again just for reading and then we land. That was the first Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18, because it says we must comfort one another with this word. Sometimes you, you think about your beloved depart, your depart your beloved who have departed and then you feel down. These are ways of encouragement. Now also we would not have you ignorant, brethren, about those who fall asleep in death, that you may not grieve for them, as the rest who do not have hope beyond the grave. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will also bring with him through Jesus those who have fallen asleep in death. For this we declare to you by the Lord's own word, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall in no way proceed into his presence or have any advantage at all over those who have previously fallen asleep in him in death. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud cry of summons, with the shout of an archangel and with the blast of the trumpet of God. And those who have departed this life in Christ will rise first. Then we, the living ones who remain on the earth, shall simultaneously be caught up along with the resurrected dead in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so always, through the eternity of eternities, we shall be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I believe that will be a comfort for those of you who believe in the Lord and you know that you've got some of your beloved brethren who have departed. You will see them again. Be encouraged. And I've left the challenge with those who are not yet in Christ or maybe you have accepted Christ but you are now living not in the right way. This message is coming because God loves you. He doesn't want you to perish. Pull up your socks and live right before God. In Jesus' name.